Hi, this is Brock Lurie, and this is the Brock Lurie Podcast. With me is my friend and producer, Ari David. Always a pleasure. Um, and, of course, uh, a shout-out to our law firm, Lurin Associates. That's your law firm. That's right, where we uh, handle real estate and business litigation needs, and we're... Um, we're pretty proud of that. We use a chess-like approach to our cases. Uh, we try to find the settlement, the, the reasonable solution, the way to resolve the problem from the outset. That's always a good thing. And, uh, but, you know, settlement doesn't seem to be the way of the Obama administration. Um, they don't want to deal with crises. You know, and this is, I see this a lot with clients, by the way, as well, since we're bringing up the notion of settlement and clients. You know, there's this big thing that's about to happen to them. And the problem is getting worse and worse. And they're wondering whether or not to hire our law firm or anything else. And I say to them, look, you don't have to hire us. I'm okay with you not hiring us. We're plenty busy. So, but I do want you to get legal counsel <laughs> because your problem, sir, is going to get worse and worse with each passing week, if not day. And you need to, to take care of this situation. And the, the more you delay it, the harder it will be for my firm or any firm that you hire to, to really represent you in an effective way. And, and that's the way it is when I think about the Obama administration and the way it's dealing with ISIS, um, the way it deals with uh, Syria, the way it's dealing with Russia. It's just we need somebody that's going to be effective, and it's not this president. He needs to hire somebody <laughs> to actually handle it uh, in an effective way. He needs a handler, if you will, not to handle how he portrays himself to the rest of the world, but rather a handler to tell him, look, Mr. President, here are the decisions you need to make if you want to be effective, if you want to go down in history as a, as a good leader. Um, this is what you need to do. And maybe he can pull a rabbit out of the hat, but I don't think he's going to be, I don't think he's going to change who he is. He's, he's Obama, uh, plain and simple. Which reminds me of the latest uh, thing about IRS. You know, on my Sunday show, I talked about uh, the IRS scandal. It's, it's kind of, it seems to be diminishing in terms of media attention, which normally I would say it's, it's a concerted effort by the media to downplay a scandal that looks bad for the president, right? But in this case, I would say, no, it's only because the other situations are so egregious that they have no choice but to, to focus on these other things, such as ISIS, such as Ukraine such as Syria and Israel and Gaza and, and all those things. So they have to focus on those things, which admittedly are much bigger than the IRS scandal. I got it. But then go figure Ferguson, right? That, that's tiny compared to what's going on in the Middle East. But here we have the—I said on my Sunday show that it's a—when I, I think about the Obama administration— vis-a-vis -vis the IRS scandal. And it's so clearly going to start pointing to the administration as being very involved in this. And it reminded me of, of the feeling I got when I saw the movie Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Did you ever see that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Of Do you remember the whole extended scene that, um, that the two main characters, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, played beautifully by Paul Newman and Robert Redford? Do you remember that extended scene where there's a posse that has formed? Yeah, the posse. Yeah. Who are those guys? Who yeah. are those guys? That's Who right. are those guys? And they keep on chasing, and you just get this sense that they're getting closer and closer and closer, and eventually they, they have no choice but to leave the, the country. They go to Bolivia, right? Um, after jumping, after jumping a huge waterfall, right? To get away, because it was the only way to get away from Lord Baltimore, because it was inevitable. It was inevitable, that but that, that but the, feel, the it was just that cool feeling of the, the closing in. 
it was, uh, you know, the noose was getting closer and closer around their neck. And, and that's the way I think that this IRS scandal is developing. It's just getting closer. We all know what, where this is going to lead, right? Is this, this, if we were, to, if this were to be a movie, you would say, you know what, it was a good movie. It was quite, kind of predictable, but I enjoy the movie, right? That's, have you said, said, said that from time to time after seeing a, a good movie? You know, love story, whatever it is. Boy loses girl, boy gets girl. There's a misunderstanding, blah, blah, blah. And then, bingo, they, they're in love and they get married. Okay. That's, you know, predictable. And this movie is so predictable, isn't it? The IRS emails and such. We know where this is going to go. And it, it'll get there. We just have to watch the movie play out. And just like, you know, the posse is going to get their man or their men, uh, they're going to, this, 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 this road will clearly lead to Obama. It's just like Clinton, by the way. All those years of denials, I didn't do this with that woman or this woman or that woman or the trailer parks or this one. And I was like, sooner or later, they're going to find something on a dress. And they did. Right. And then, well, that's not, that's not what it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And it turned out to be it. It's same with this. It's exactly we the same know, thing. We know there's some email that's directly from Barry to Lois. Uh, <laughs> uh, burst up the tea party for me, Lois. Okay, Barry. You uh, know. By Barry, he's using uh, the the more proper, you know, the English name of of how he went instead of Barack Obama. So that's what you're saying. But I I, I agree with you. I think <laughs> everything about it smells. Uh, let's let's go through it very briefly, and then I want to talk about something else on this very issue. But first, it started off with, well, the hard drive crashed. I don't have, I don't have any more emails. Sorry about that. Then they said we can't seem to um, retrieve these emails. Okay. Then they said, well, uh, yeah, we, I guess we could have looked at the emails of other people who received these emails, but it just by coincidence, all their hard drives crashed as well. Oh, yeah, I guess we could have also looked at their Blackberries and their iPhones and their other smartphones to find the emails because, of course, they get their emails on their iPhones and their black phones and their smartphones as well. But lo and behold, it got lost there, too. All those got thrown away. Right. Thrown Everything away. got perfectly thrown away. And then the hard drives, the, 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 the gashes on the hard drives, well, that, that's weird. But, you know, gosh, it just happened. That's, it must happen in the hard drive process. Oh, it happened in all of them? Well, that's a, what a quinky dinky. That's really something, too. Then they said, then they say, well, it looks like, and then in fact, it was backed up. And that's good, but you know, it it's turns too out. It's too much work to get that. It's yeah. just too hard for us to retrieve this. Yeah, you know, government can only do so much. Suddenly they become <laughs> small government conservatives. Government's, government's ability to do things is very limited, so right. we can't get that. So we say that it's only by way of background because it's so inherently absurd. And then the, the, that small trickle of emails that we do have show that there are some aggressive language toward the Tea Party and how they, they want to go after the Tea Party. Um, but, but admittedly, there are only two or three right now. But it's going to be a whole volume. It's going to be so bizarre how, how thick this is. You, you just know that this was a panic room situation where they suddenly realized they're in deep crap. And they got to do something. So you, you get this, you almost get this sense, this lockdown sense, right? Where kind of like the, the, the last days of the United States Embassy in Tehran, where they said, we got to destroy these documents. And they start shredding it. But they can't shred it completely because, you know, they only have so much time. Yeah, so they go and bring in a wood chipper. They, yeah, the, it was crazy the things they had to do. But, you know, they, they did what they could with the limited amount of time they had. And uh, unfortunately, they, the bad guys were able to retrieve some very sensitive documents and use it against us. 
but this is the, the sense you get about the, the IRS, how they did this. It was such a, uh, was a you know, Keystone cop situation. But now, you know, uh, latest news has come out that um, somebody from Eric Holder's office, um, the attorney general for the United States, apparently, by mistake, uh, called up um, the representative uh, ISA's um, offices. His staff. His staff. And uh, they thinking that it was somebody else, uh, Senator Elijah, Elijah Cummings, staff. Cummings staff, they were saying, you know, how, how can we spin this situation, this IRS scandal situation to, to a way that's better? Yeah, they said, we have some information we're going to leak. We want to try to spin it for our advantage. Can you help it with us? Right. And then the ISA's office is like, who are you trying to call? You mean this isn't Elijah Cummings' office? No, this is Daryl Issa's office. <laughs> don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Daryl Issa, of course, for those who don't know, uh, right offhand, is he's the very uh, smart congressman from San Diego, uh, who uh, who's he's very the chairman of the committee. He's the very chairman. Now maybe they misdialed it because you know he's on the list of people to call, right? Yeah. So they they probably dialed one one number lower than they should have, and and voila, they they, yeah. they called and the very guy. Wait, wait, hold on. They called the very guy that they would not have wanted to, to call. And there you have it. So, so this begs the big question. I mean, we're, we're, we're not here just to tell funny stories, right? But we are, we are here to talk about themes. I mean, I, I think that's what we're kind of known for. The Brucklery Show, both on my Sunday show and on this podcast, we like to talk about themes, not, not little trinkets of stories that amuse us. But so, so what's the theme here? Okay. We talked about this offline, how, <laughs> how it only goes to show that how conspiracies don't Work. They just, they don't exist, folks. They're not the way that, not the big grand schemes, uh, conspiracies that everyone talks about, whether it's the Rothschilds or the, the fake lunar landing or anything else. Uh, you know, yeah, maybe two people will conspire to, to defraud somebody out of a, a third person out of their money. Sure. But uh, the grand scheme stuff, no, it doesn't work. Why? Well, because of situations exactly like this. This, this is emblematic. Them calling up the very guy that, that would, would love to use it against them, right? Isa, would, it's so pathetic. It's, um, but that's what happens. Nothing works perfectly in real life. People make mistakes constantly. People have their own selfish interest. People change their minds all the time. People discover that they're working for an unethical team and they'll change horses, as it were, in midstream. That's what happens, and and I always say if you want uh, proof of the of the of this, the how conspiracies don't work, just look at Watergate, right? I mean, they here is the what was once the most powerful man in the world, a man named Richard Nixon, and he couldn't even keep a simple burglary under wraps. That's that should be evidence enough for you, period. But I'll give you more examples. You, you also have examples of uh, the lunar landing and, and uh, you know, this, this would require thousands of people, right, to be involved in the process, to be in on the, on the take, as it were. Not just the astronauts themselves, of course, uh, but also everyone in Houston and everyone else who's uh, associated with the, 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 the launch. And then, of course, it begs the question, um, well, if they were going to take this enormous risk and try to fool everyone all this time, then how come... 
they, after all doing it, they say to themselves, let's do it again and again and again. So they would have to fake people four times over. I mean, it, it, that's the first thing I ask anybody who believes in the lunar conspiracy theory. I say to them, sounds interesting, but don't you think that it would have been a massively difficult thing to achieve? A massively difficult thing. It would, it would require all this attention, all this, this manpower, all this deceit, and the chances of them getting away with it would be uh, on the scale of one to a hundred million, right? And there's just too many things going on. And then right after that, they decide to do it again. I mean, it just the odds of being caught the second time are so high. But you know, you can't fool, you can't uh, convince people sometimes to think illogical, to to think properly. And uh, sometimes I call those people liberals. But, you know, that's the way it works. They, they don't want to see the things the way they really are. But maybe, maybe that's why liberals think the way they do about conspiracies. They, they have so much faith in government because they, they don't think that through. They don't put these probabilities together. How, how is it that they could possibly think that, that uh, these great, grandiose ideas will work? Like Obamacare, such a good example. There, there's so many many cogs in this machine called Obamacare. It's an exquisite amount of, of different things that have to be paid attention to. Never mind that so many of them are political, but that all of them will work in syncopation with each other and, and so well together and, that, and you expect a great result. Look, I, I think I'm digressing here, but my, my point is this is the kind of stuff that you can expect from government. And the bigger your government, the more you, you'll expect to see these bizarre mistakes. Yeah, well, there's, there's sort of two halves to us from what I hear you saying. Uh, one half is, rightly so, government is never foolproof. And, and I've always thought it's just a miracle that in the past 70 years or so, a nuclear weapon hasn't gone off accidentally somewhere. I mean, it's, it's just damn good luck, good competence, and in the one area of government where it really mattered, and hey, they came through, so bravo. <laughs> right. I mean, think about how lucky right. we are. There's a lot of redundancies but, in it. But think about this. Liberals, and you know, our, we share slightly different worldviews on this. You know, you're, you're more reasonable, and that's wrong about this, but <laughs> that be that as it may. Liberals only believe in, in conspiracies that have no chance of happening. Meanwhile, real conspiracies that everyone knows about, they ignore. Islam, communism, the Democrat Party, the union ripoffs in big cities, teachers union. These are, if you will, dangerous and damaging conspiracies. Right. Not necessarily on the worldwide, um, you know, uh, the, the world engulfed by the octopus's te- tentacles kind of The Rothschild thing. conspiracy type right, thing. Yeah. The Illuminati kind of things. So they believe in the Illuminati, the Bilderbergs, the Rothschilds. You know the any of those. You know that's a good. That's a very good point. They they believe in absurd conspiracies when, while at the same time ignoring uh, the very real conspiracies, if you want to call them conspiracies, but the very real problems that that are menacing our societies. Yeah, communism in the Soviet Union was a conspiracy. Yeah, it, it, it spent its time accusing others of all being conspiracies against it, but it was a conspiracy. Right, and the, modern Islamic expansionism is one today. The infiltration of the communists was real. Yeah. And uh, and it was you can call it a conspiracy if you want, but it, it, it didn't need to be a conspiracy. All they had to say is we need more and more men, people for that matter, uh, in the American system, and we want to slowly degrade uh, America from within. That was their goal, and to some extent they were successful. And uh, and it was McCarthy who was you know 
chomping at the bit saying, we've got to fight these guys. And maybe he did it with an abrasive manner, but that's not the point. Whether he was abrasive, whether he did it politely or not, or whether he said stupid things in the process, he was right. And likewise, uh, we've got an infiltration of some very bad guys um, who are known as ISIS, and for that matter, other Muslim extremists who um, are very happy to slowly infiltrate our society. Yeah. And if you, if you think that I'm being paranoid... Okay, and this is, not, this is not conspiratorial talk, folks. This is simply the, a, a game of numbers. Okay, it's, it's, That's all it is. Get as many people into your, the system as possible. It, it, you know, it's no more conspiratorial than a game of chess is conspiratorial. Chess is all about positioning, my friends. It's about getting your strong pieces to the other side of the board and surrounding the king. That's what it is. It's not a conspiracy. It's strategy. And sometimes you lose pieces along the way. But that's what they are doing very effectively. And if you want proof of that, look at England, particularly the Rotherham, is it called? Yeah, Rotherham. Uh, Rotherham. Uh, the, the Rotherham situation where uh, these uh, this huge group of, of Pakistani Muslim men, mostly Pakistani extraction, uh, have uh, created this ring of, of sex slaves, of white girls who have run away from home, and England is doing nothing about it. They have... And the reason why they're doing nothing about it is for fear of being uh, marginalized as racist or described as racist. So uh, instead of dealing with the actual uh, monsters who are um, enslaving these girls, they're instead attacking and arresting the people who complain about it. So this is, this is the world that England has now found itself in. And you could see the fear in the prime minister's eyes, David Cameron. You know, God bless him for doing something about it. Uh, for raising the awareness level, uh, but he, he's not doing enough, and he's not being aggressive enough, and to some extent, it's not his fault. He's, he's now having to deal with a legacy of his predecessors, particularly Tony Blair, who opened up the door to immigration in, in a way that, that was so reckless uh, that he let it in so many bad guys that it's getting to the point now that, that uh, Islam is is really... Uh, it's inevitable there. It's, it's inevitable. Dominate. Yeah. And, and the same thing's happening here and uh, at our, on our college campuses and our universities and in different uh, areas of government where the Muslim Brotherhood and its adjuncts, especially in the university system, is infiltrating entire education departments, entire uh, student associations, everything. And yeah. by the way, I do disagree with you on one thing. Chess, by definition, is a conspiracy. Let me riddle you this. Do the chess pieces is the goal when you're playing them to get them to work together? Yes. That's what conspiracy means. Right. Conspiracy, basically, and it's the root of what the term literally means, is to breathe together. No, I, I understand but that. But you're talking I, about I, the great cover-up conspiracy. I, I'm, I'm talking about great cover-ups. It's the, you know, I, I really don't want to conflate those two because chess really is a game of numbers at the end of the day. It's not you, you really. It's hard to win with only three pieces, let's say, while the, the other side has... You know, 15 pieces. It's it's hard. It can be done, but it's hard. But the idea, the game in itself, is to win by using all 16 pieces, yeah. working together, losing as few of them as possible along the way, yeah. and making your opponent lose as many of his along right. the way. The, the conspiracies that we balk at, that you and I balk at, is the conspiracy where everyone kind of, it's the, the, the part of the Borg, to use the Star Trek gener- Next Generation analogy, where every single 
entity is in cahoots with everyone else, and they all know the main mission, and no one's letting on about it to anyone else, yeah. don't you well, know? To me, that's wait, 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 wait. That would be cover up. That, that is no, 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 no. It's not cover up. It's about the, this completely different conspiracy, where they all will just kind of, you know, they all know the secret. They all have this diabolical plan, and they're all, in fact, controlling everything around you. It's different here with uh, uh, the Muslim influence. I think there are a lot of Muslims there that come into England, and they, they're not coming in with a goal to, to join in the Sharia law or such. But they are Muslim, and uh, they don't mind so much when the extremist Muslims that are among them do uh, push for Sharia law, that do push for um, uh, you know, a polygamy among the, the, the marriage and, and all the other things that they push for. So all of a sudden, you know, they've got a friendly environment, and they all speak each other's language, and then just by sheer numbers, they get to say, "Hey, you know, we're we're here, and you've got to deal with us." And and that's why it's a it's a slow burn, you yeah, know. You, it's it's a burn of forty yeah. years, like we talked about the other day. Yeah, but a, our, our traditional definition of these great conspiracies, uh, mafia kind of things, where there's a code of silence and. All the members of the movement do their best not to reveal the movement to the outsiders. Right. Th this doesn't have that. The reason the the conspiracy is covered up is because of the willful ignorance and willful blindness of the society around it. Oh yeah. Those who are members of this particular movement are more than forthcoming about exactly what they intend. Oh yeah. No, they, they they've said it. We we are going to uh, we're going to have a flag over the White House. Right? They, they said that very clear. They, their, uh, their mission is clear. They want Sharia law. They want the caliphate and, and everything else. And, and if you disagree with them, then you're racist. And they're just using our own tools against us. It's, it's just a very good game that they're playing. And they're, they're being very successful at it. And not only that, but their own culture is such that if, if the, the more success they, they achieve, perceived success, the more it rallies other people, other Muslims, into the fold, and it gets them excited about it, too, which has a vicious cycle. So, uh, you know, I've, I've made a prediction here a long time ago. I expect to see Notre Dame become a mosque uh, within 20 years, and I think I, that was about five years ago, so now I'm going to say it's 15 years from now. Uh, it's not going to be a pretty day, and it will be the day that I said I, I, I said this would happen, and I will cry because I, I hope to be wrong about it, but it's going to happen. And, uh, and the reason why I say it, because it's been happening, this aggressive movement has been happening for 40 years, and uh, I don't see any sign of it letting up unless we have somebody like a Ronald Reagan to stem back the tide somehow. Well, maybe we all have to be our own Ronald Reagans, our own leaders, and we all have to say to ourselves, I'm going to lead a movement and convince others, and we're going to turn the Hagia Sophia back into a church. You know, yeah, them apples would be good, but unfortunately, um, a lot of our Christian friends don't have the the chutzpah, the the wherewithal, the energy, the 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 the, the, the zeitgeist, and the the passion to fight back for what they believe in. Well, let's they, give it to them. I, I listen. I, I, <laughs> That's and what I'm, this is for. I know. Well. You know, how do you, how do you tell our Christian and Jewish friends uh, that we need to rally? You know, how do you do that? How, because we don't believe in it. Well, hold, hold on, hold stop on. Stop being an idiot okay. <laughs> and rally. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, continue. All right. 
We, how do you, because we, do, we don't have the equivalent, whether we're Jewish or Christian, we don't have the equivalent of Sharia law. We don't have this, this perceived mandate that we must destroy other religions, right? The Christians and the Jews are enlightened religions where they're not, they're not trying to kill us and we're not trying to kill them and, and we, don't, we don't want to kill the Muslims either. But there's only one among the three religions where there is a perception, at least among the extremists of that religion, where they feel that their Allah is, is smiling as they behead uh, anybody who doesn't believe like they do. It's such an absurd notion. But there you have it. There you have it. And, and I'm, I'm concerned that, you know, they have the passion. We don't have the passion. What are we going to do about that, folks? What are we going to do? And until the day that we decide that we're going to do something, it, it, will it take our, it, it will take pure fear to make us fight for, for ourselves? Is that what it is? I hope that's what usually makes people do stuff. Well, well, you know what? I, I mean, I look at... I mean, do you go to work every day because you're afraid of being homeless and poor and hungry? Uh, there's something to that. No, the reason why I go to work is also to, to generate wealth and also to, to provide a good life for my kids. I don't, I don't think of it as, gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm only trying to get bread on the table which is a survival thing, right? And likewise, in World War II, when we fought the Nazis, it wasn't so much an element of fear involved. We, it was because we wanted to destroy these bad guys, and we also loved our own way of life. And, and that's the way they talked to us about it. They said they want to destroy our way of life, our American way of life. They want to destroy our freedom. And I guess there's some element of fear to that, but there's also they, they, people felt like they were fighting for something. Here, I think, you know, we've so eviscerated the notion of the value of freedom, the value of Americanism, that all we have to offer people to fight is to say, look, you want to die? Here, have a gun. That way you won't die. That's it. It's only there. It, it, that's how low the standard has gone, that we're just fighting for our own personal lives. Not even necessarily for our, our, you know, for our Christian faith, for our Jewish faith. I, you know, we just don't want to be beheaded. Thank you very much. You know, I think there's a, there's a big element of that. Does it really matter why someone fights as long as they fight for themselves, though? Whether it's fear or whether it's if, love if, of country? If you, My attitude is who cares as long as they do it. I, I, as long as they do it. But the problem is morale is always a good thing. Any, any soldier, sorry, any general will tell you the morale of your troops is everything. And they could fight because they don't want to die. Or they can fight because they believe in something. And any general will tell you that a, a man who fights because he believes in something is worth a hundred times a man who fights just because he doesn't want to die. Yeah, and I agree with you. But just like the other side, build momentum upon momentum. Perhaps we need a starting point. Perhaps we need to start from a point of fear. And after we win our first initial battles, convince some minds to rally, convince those rallying minds to take the first hill. Once they see the first hill taken, then they start to value things again, and then the momentum builds upon itself. Look, you're right, uh, but there needs to be an awakening, and the awakening has to be among the Christian faith in particular. Look, we Jews, um, as, as much as you know, we can awaken, we can awaken every single Jew on the planet and uh, make them all into Israelis, so to speak, you know, to give them the sense of purpose that the Israelis have. Uh, but at the end of the day, we're only 13, 14 million people. That's it. 
You know, the Christians are 2.5 billion people on the planet. The Muslims are 1.5 billion people and growing. Um, they've got the numbers. The Christians have the numbers. And they, we need an awakening from them. Because if the Christians saw the Jews in a mass awakening, they would awaken. I, I hope you're I right. That's what I think would happen. I hope because you're right. Because they would see it, rightly so, as a miracle. They would see it as part of Scripture coming true. As they looked at the return of the Jews from the diaspora at the end of World War II as a miracle, rightly I, so. I, I, I agree with everything you just said. But at the same time, we've got this clash of science and God, or there's perceived clash of science and God. And um, I would, I just hope that the Christians, you know, embrace Christianity themselves, that they, they see it as a, a formidable force, because frankly it is, and it's a great force for, for the world. Christianity has done so much good. It has done so much good for, the, for all of society for, for so many centuries. It's not going away, I'm, I'm very pleased to say. But at the same time, we need to fight and fight hard. And the only way to do that is to, to actually believe in ourselves more than they believe in, in their selves. Okay, the bad guys. And, and speaking about a clash, you know, another news item I want to point out uh, is that apparently there was a, this is a shocking story. Um, there's, there's been a murder of Catholic nuns uh, in Italy. And it, it's, it's, you know, surprise, surprise, it's from some bad guy Muslim extremists. And uh, they actually beheaded uh, at least one of the nuns. And yeah, I, it just the, the shocking nature of this is so egregious. It, it, I don't know. I, will this be the thing that awakens people, the, the Christians, into becoming Christians? I want Christians to be Christians, not not to be apologetic about it. I want them to be proud of it. You know what I want them to be? I want them to be Christians, but not pacifists. I'm sick of the turn the other cheek without fighting the enemy. No, but but Christian will tell a, a, a true Christian will tell you. That's not what it means. What, what you think it means, um, and, and I'm with you, you about that. You edit me out when I said true Jew or real Jew the other day. I did. Yeah. So no, no. <laughs> well, what are you going to do? No. Perfect. <laughs> it's the, your the, show. The, 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 well, the Christian will tell you, and I think yeah. it's correct. And, and, and the reason why I say it because I've, I've interviewed a lot of Christians about this very topic, and and they'll say no, that's not what it means. It, it means something completely different. It doesn't mean, yeah, you know, please sir, can I have some more? It doesn't. It doesn't mean that. It, on the contrary, it means you know focusing yourself on on things. And we, I don't want to drill down on that. The point is, Christians, we need you, um, we, and you need us. We we need you. Let's let's fight together. Uh, let's stand up for something because this whole notion of secularism that ain't anything. It, it means nothing. There's no purpose. It's it's emptiness. It's. That's all atheism is. That's all secularism is. It's pure emptiness. And as they say about um, history, abhorring a vacuum, right? That's what will happen. Because that vacuum will be filled very quickly, very easily, if you let them. And you should no longer be apologizing for who you are. We started this off by talking about uh, the IRS emails. But interestingly, it actually connects to so many of the things that we've been talking about, about conspiracies, about the way the world really works about uh, the things that, that the bugaboos that we think are actually happening um, that are not happening, such as global warming, right? <laughs> and all the other things we talked about. These are all ridiculous scenarios that mean nothing. They, they're just concocted out of whole cloth. I mean, in the meanwhile, uh, we have these very serious issues that are truly creeping up upon us 
and we're not paying attention to it. We need to pay attention to it. If we don't, one day we'll discover that uh, we'll hear the, the loud shrills of the morning prayers from some mosque that will soon be built near you. It's not a world that we want to live in, folks. This is Brock Lurie. This has been the Brock Lurie Podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you real soon. Stone.